0: Yo, there are many events coming up in the world of sports. It'd be great
1: to be in attendance for such.
0: Where can we get tickets? SeatGeek.
1: You see, SeatGeek is an app that can help you find the best seats with the best deals. SeatGeek shows you different tickets available with green being the best deals and red not being the hot deals. The best part is it shows you where you'll be sitting at the event. If you use the code Sports you could get twenty dollars
0: off your first purchase. Get your seat at SeatGeek today. Could it be you calling me down, 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 down? That foolish heart, turns out the a beat. All that I have is all that you see. You don't need nobody else, and you're putting this on. Welcome. To another episode of the Sports Mecca Podcast, I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Sam Hengeli. Today, we are speaking to former University of Kansas student football equipment manager, Andrew Edrington. Andrew, we appreciate the time today, and thank you for coming on.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, and uh, yeah, couldn't be more excited.
0: Yeah, for sure. We we got a lot you know, packed into this episode. Sam and I have a lot of questions that we'll be asking you. But really to start, you know, like I mentioned in the intro, you were the University of Kansas, you know, football equipment manager. You were there from 2017 to 2021. So you recently, you know, just graduated a year ago. To start, you know, talk to Sam and I and and just talk to us about how you even started that position and what made you interested in, in taking on that job?
2: Well, I think that for me personally, I'll just go with a little bit of my background with it. My whole family's gone to KU, growing up a diehard KU fan. Um, my grandparents went to school there. They met there. And my mom was baby J at KU. My aunt and uncle went to KU. My dad did not go to KU, but uh, he supports KU. But yeah, it was naturally just inclined. We, I grew up every Saturday going to games. I've probably missed Six seven home games in my entire life, which is kind of crazy. I'm a rare breed in the fact that I follow the football program more closely than the basketball program. Um, not to say I'm not a diehard K basketball fan, but that's just where my heart lies. A lot of good memories in Lawrence growing up. Um, but yeah, so when I was a senior in high school, I had known I was going to go to KU, and my mom worked with. Lady who her son happened to be a manager, Greg O'Rourke was the name, and we'd known their family for a long time. And yeah, I just kind of reached out to him and said, Hey, is there any openings? Well, they lost a bunch of managers due to graduation. And they normally, how it works is typically freshmen that are in school will try out their second semester of their freshman year to be a manager. They'll go through like a trial practice and do like spring ball or whatever. I was actually asked to come in July before so fall camp before my freshman year and uh, went through it so was there for two years under coach Beatty and two years under well yeah yeah I guess two seasons under coach Miles and then finished the spring under coach Jones but yeah that that was a little bit of background for me and kind of how I got that position.
0: So, why football and not you know basketball, baseball? Why was football that that calling? Was it because that you were just a dedicated fan and you just like you said you only missed like six or seven home games? yeah,
2: I mean, absolutely. I think that my heart is it my heart's just in football played football uh in my freshman year had to stop due to some uh health reasons, and you know, I was just praying that. I just missed football altogether, and God brought football back into me in my life that in a way I wouldn't have ever imagined. Um, so grateful for it. But, yeah, most, most kids in Kansas and kids that want to go to KU are di- dying to be part of the basketball program. And um, not that I wouldn't have loved to do that, and I actually technically kind of was in a little way the COVID year, but they – try out and do like the camps or whatever. I, I just was asked to do football, and I, I couldn't be happier. i I wouldn't trade it.
0: yeah, um, so now kind of go into detail a little bit about the actual position. you know, was what were your responsibilities as the equipment manager for the football team, and you know how many hours did you have to commit? You know, was this just a you know was this a stress on your actual class schedule or was it just something that like, hey, you know, that you picked up really quickly? I,
2: my my job for the first three years, I, I was a receiver. I was the KU football receiver manager. So we'd set up practice, help run drills um, with Coach Jones. I would throw ball, throw balls to receivers. Uh, pretty much just do anything. I spotted the ball at practice. Was alongside Coach Miles, next to him, help referee at practices and seven on sevens and team uh, two minute drills. Whatever they told me to do, I did it. Um, a lot of it was inside equipment related stuff. First three years didn't have to do laundry, which thank goodness, I despised doing laundry. I, that's just not me being inside doing any of that stuff. Last year, the COVID year, we, there was a lot of extra precautions. We were down, um, obviously funds were cut quite a bit. So had to do a lot more in stuff, inside, uh, activities such as, I mean, obviously laundry uh, handling equipment. We're basically individually assigned ten to eleven players. I mean, there's probably one hundred and twenty players on a roster roughly. Uh, and then there's coaches and staff. So you've got probably hundred fifty people in that building I would say and each per each manager was assigned probably ten to fifteen players worth of equipment you had to handle. so at, making sure that they had their, the gloves they wanted making sure that their uniform was ready, clean, ready to go. Um, you name it, we did it. Now I I will go on, uh, some record. Now I can talk about some of these crazy things that may or may not have happened while I was at, uh, at my time at KU, there was a time my very freshman year, we were getting ready to start a practice and this is just an example of equipment managers being equipment managers. the The touchdown club was not set up the day before the game. I don't know how that's possible. It wasn't set up. I don't know if KU Athletics just dropped a ball on who hiring people to set that up. It was mostly set up, but they didn't have the chairs out. They didn't have there was just a lot of things that just hadn't been built. It was the day before the first game of the season and they literally just had the managers help build it the day before completely not a manager's job completely they wouldn't i don't think it would have happened anywhere else at that pro at that point in time but yeah i mean there was a lot of crazy just that's the spur of the moment managing kind of stuff that would have to happen but
0: so you mentioned how you might you 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 dreaded dealing with the cleaning of the uniforms, how long of a process is that? Is that an all day process? You know, cause I assume, you know, you, you have to handle the uniforms before the practices. And then after the practices, you have to handle them as well.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of go in there. I mean, lift people would go, it would kind of set a schedule. So some people would be assigned to go in for morning lifts because the players would go in and lift around six or seven in the morning uh, before class, and usually one or two people would be in there helping out with that. And then somebody would come around in around 9 or 10 o'clock. There would always be someone in the equipment room because uh, there was always someone in the building. There's never a time when it's stopping, um, except for maybe like 1 or 2 in the morning. But we had about four giant washing machines. I can't even describe these things. They're just massive. can throw literally an elephant into them. Uh, And massive dryers as well. Yeah, we would throw literally everything in there and before and after practice do just loads and loads of laundry. I hated it. Absolutely despise it. And I think that many of the other managers would agree with me and get very frustrated because I just plainly did not want to be there during it. (laughs) But uh, we got through that part. But yeah, it's around the clock job respect to all the uh, equipment managers out there that really do it because it's it's a dedication it's a grind i mean doing things behind scenes that really no one sees
0: was there a point where you were doing this maybe it was your first year maybe it was your third year and you were kind of going through the motion junior and, and you were talking to yourself and you were saying i really don't want to do this anymore was it was there a point where like you're like ah you know I don't want to do it or were you just like constantly positive constantly like wanting to help the team at all costs
2: yeah I I can't say I was constantly trying to do that all the time I I definitely hit a wall my freshman year fall camp it's about the same time that a lot of incoming freshmen uh in players especially you, you fall camp's a grind get about Five practices in your your body's just done. I mean obviously we weren't we weren't getting hit or anything, but we' were, we were running around just as much as they were, if not more. But yeah, there was one day when we were on the practice field, set up, ready to go, and uh, this is the first time on record, this as well. Uh, on the practice field, ready to go for practice and specialists were coming out there and all of a sudden we just see these buses lining up it's it's overcast it's supposed to rain a little bit that day and this is now this is before we had the indoor at the new indoor beside the stadium we had and shoots across over by Field house that turf is not good i've witnessed multiple players just get hurt in practice doing that and Coach Beatty did not want anything to do with that. But, yeah, players were on the field ready to go, or the specialists were at least, and we're wondering why is no one coming out? It's like 30 minutes about practice, about to start, and then all of a sudden these grad assistants are going, oh, they didn't tell you, like, we're practicing an arrowhead today. So we're like, uh, okay, how are we going to get everything there? How No one is communicating this with us. So – We had to call U-Haul, a big, big, massive semi-truck, grab all the equipment, throw it into there and drove it all the way to Arrowhead, got it ready to go in the Chiefs indoor, practiced for maybe like 50 minutes, did a scrimmage, came back, sat, unloaded everything, and we had to wait because some of the equipment was still on the U-Haul and we were already there in the practice field lot, sat in this, literally heat box because this truck was about to die and the truck driver was drunk when he came back the semi driver uh he definitely made a little pit stop at a local bar so we just sat there it was probably 6 six thirty, and we hadn't eaten anything and our reward we got some uh, melted popsicles for our efforts that day yeah that's the that's the life of being a manager
0: were there any like rewards? Like, did you get something at the end of every semester or was it really like you just, they didn't give you a lot of like reward for the hard work,
2: man, I'm making it up to sound terrible and everything. I, it, I'm just telling, I guess I'm telling all the bad stories. I should, I should definitely be a little more upbeat. Uh, No, it, it was, it was, I would say it was a blast. I mean, the rewards were, I mean, Cal, it was so fun. I mean, just being on the sidelines of games, there's there's nothing like running out of the tunnel or just staying on the sideline with 100,000 people in Austin, Texas, going toe-to-toe with Texas or flying on team plane, just getting fed just insane amount of food mm-hmm. in the facility whenever they would have that for us. All the Adidas gear, we'd get just countless amounts of shoes, footballs. I mean, you name it. I mean, there was that stuff was cool. That's that's the sexiness of the of the job for sure. Yeah, it's it's the other stuff that people don't see. Because I mean, people walking around campus would see us walking around in the all the ultra boosts and everything, and they'd be like, "Man, that's cool." Like that's that's what's everybody wanted to be a manager, and it, you don't see the other stuff that I'm talking about. But it was it was a blast. There's there's no doubt about it.
0: Did you get to keep those uniforms and, you know, cleats and gloves and all the gear?
2: My first three years, no, won't go into that. But my my last year, we basically had a lot of equipment. There, there was a lot of equipment that was uh, stored, maybe not put to the best use. And we had to do a complete massive overhaul before 2020. So in the middle of the heat of COVID, um, got a new equipment manager, uh, Blake Kinsey came from Oklahoma. Great, great, great boss. Great. Awesome guy. And he came in really just revamped everything. He taught us how to work. We were working 60, 70 hours at certain times, uh, during the heat of COVID just busting away. And I I can't even like, describe you guys until you actually see how much gear was hoarded there was just a lot to just like we gave a lot to charity or I don't know if it was charity I don't know what we ended up giving it to but there was a KU athletics as a fund uh we'd drop it off at some like warehouse or storage facility and they would give it out or I, I don't know necessarily how that works but just anything however we did it we had to do it compliant with NCAA rules and guidelines but yeah there was We got quite a bit of gear that year uh, in that summer. That was, that was the reward for, for working a lot of hours, but got a lot of stuff and was really cool.
1: Uh, Andrew, uh, I want to talk a little bit about like a little bit of KU football a little bit. Uh, David Beatty may not have had the results on the field, but he worked hard at developing a great relationship with his players. What made uh, Beatty so respectable by his players?
2: Oh, yeah, Coach Beatty, I, well, he is a really good guy, man. I mean, that guy, uh, I know a lot of the players. He was definitely a guy that, I mean, everybody just liked him, uh, got along with really well. And he, he, is a, he was a very good recruiter. I wouldn't say that I had as close of a relationship as with Coach Beatty as I did with Coach Miles, just simply because the way that the program was kind of ran then was very different. We, we we knew our role and we didn't necessarily um, get too involved with practices as much, but yeah, Coach Beatty would, I mean, always have everybody's back. I mean, there'd be players just in the locker room. He knew everybody's story, what they were going through. Um, to most extent, I would I'm assuming. I know that not every coach is like that, and he just built personal relationships with players. And when Coach Beatty was – they decided to fire him or let him coach out the rest of the season with, like, three games remaining or whatever. Before the last game of the season, he took the managers to the J-O club and bought us all dinner, like, steak dinners. I mean, class act guy. And for a guy that know, knew his job was over, I mean, that shows the character of that guy. I mean, he was awesome. There was – Yeah, it's a a tough deal because, I mean, the industry of coaching and college football is, it's tough. I mean, job security is so slim, ADs, coaches, getting fired is inevitable. Even the best coaches are, they just eventually they're getting fired or pushed out or resign. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. But obviously that didn't work out, but yeah, can't say enough about his character. Yeah, what a guy.
1: Definitely. So I want to transition from David Beatty. Then we bring in Les Miles, who a lot of people are really excited about. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out very well. Les Miles' time was short-lived and ended in ugly fashion, sadly. Being around a football program, I and mean, especially you saying you had the closest ratio of Miles versus Beatty, uh, people have speculated like things that he didn't look on top of his game during his time at KU. Did you notice that was something... Off of them, and did you see something that like that you knew things were gonna end well?
2: Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. i I had a really good relationship with Coach Miles. I don't I can't speak on what the media have said or what I, the stories I to be honest, I don't really read too much into any of that. Coach Miles and I had a really good relationship. He wrote me a letter of recommendation. I liked him a lot. I got along with him. Great guy. I'll tell you, he, he's, uh, he's definitely, you've never met a person like coach miles. I will just say that some of the conversations I would have with that guy, you'd kind of sometimes be like, man, this guy is, uh, he's there. And sometimes you're just like, man, where is he going with this sentence? But you never, you never <laughs> stop getting a laugh from the guy. I mean, he was uh He was definitely a player's coach. Everybody loved that guy. All the players did. Practices were pretty lively at times. Some of the post-game meeting stuff, we were very, the managers were very much involved. I'll I'll tell you a story. The first time Coach Miles walked, the program was obviously at a new low. And in January and February, there's morning runs that we would all have to go to. Well, under Coach Beatty, we would go and we would just stand there. I mean, we really, there was really no reason for us to be there. We were told, just get out of the way, don't do anything. Coach Miles, first day comes, walks in. Everybody's stretching, he walks in. I, at this point he'd been hired since November, but no one around the building had even seen the guy. Because everybody, all the players had just gone on break. Because the season had just ended. No one had really seen him. I mean, there's there'd probably been a few team meetings, but he walks in, full gray jumpsuit. You could hear a pin drop. I mean, everybody's like, man, that's Les Miles right there. That's a Hall of Fame coach. He walks in. Everybody – we start going to your stations. First drill. Some guy doesn't finish through the line. like, he just blows his whistle and just comes on – just goes uncorked on, on this guy. And and he does it right in front of me. So I'm thinking he's uh uncorking at me. Right next to me is another manager, and he's just yelling at the manager saying – you need to tell him to start to finish the line so like yeah, you start yelling at him, and it's this six foot five, three hundred and twenty-five pound defensive lineman. And we're just like, you you want me to you want to yell at him? But uh, yeah, I mean that was the kind of energy that Coach Miles brought, and immediately everyone was just like, okay, like it brought a different energy level. That first year definitely had a lot of good leadership on that team, Carter. Stanley, quarterback, was a good leader. There was – everybody was just kind of built around him and there was – lost a lot of – lost a couple tough games that year, but um, definitely that year was the most competitive I felt like. We were – outside of maybe 2018 with Coach Beatty at times, but I I, I like Coach Miles. That was a long, long answer. Got got excited there.
1: Did you watch the uh, ESPN, like, uh, Plus series uh, miles to go? And if you did, was it – was it actually, was it accurate as it was or was there some like a reality tv to it
2: um i watched it i i'd be honest it's been a long time since i did we would we were actually watching i mean everybody would kind of watch it go along the season obviously like cuz all the the camera crews i forgot about that wow the camera crews were just there all the time i mean they were in your face there were times like i know that Especially at Texas, we scored to go ahead, and one of my, one of a couple of the managers were flipping off the crowd and throwing the horns down at him and they had to cut that out of the, uh, cut that out of the, the miles to go, I think. Yeah. I mean, too many good times, man. It was pretty, pretty real, I thought, for, for how it was. I think there was uh, a few moments that, we're PG-13 in there, but that's just football. Um, maybe a bold statement to yell who the F is K-State.
1: <laughs> I was about to say that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that hurt. That was the energy we brought, and that's what I, I liked about Coach. Now, uh, now light poles in charge. Uh, what were your thoughts on last season, and where do you think KU football goes from here? Yeah, so going into this year, I, I knew once we hired Coach Leipold, I, I'm obviously always going to be excited. But just the things, because I still have a lot of uh, close friends that are managers, and the things that I was hearing, um, not personally, because I don't ask questions in terms of details on what's going on inside the program, because it's very close-lipped just for compliance reasons and I don't want to I would never want to like do anything to jeopardize their jobs and they know that they don't give out information but the things that I had been hearing on Slant or places that I may have heard a few things they were all positive and it was different than uh, what I was used to seeing and it was very evident the first the first game I saw Certain things that people that follow the program really closely, they would see it. You just kind of see the body language of the players on the sideline. Uh, late in the fourth quarter, South Dakota took a lead, and there's just a lot of KU teams. There's some one thing goes bad, there's that, oh, we're going to fold moment. Like There's just that negative energy I can't describe. And within the crowd, within the, the building, it was just like, one thing's going to happen. And if one thing goes bad, like, up, here we go again. We're just going to lose. This is just how it's supposed to be. You could just see the body language in the players that day. And you could just tell Coach Leipold wasn't going to put up with it. And they went down and won the game. And it wasn't wasn't a pretty win that first game of the season, but it really made a statement. You'd have to be blind to not see progress in those first early games uh, against even, I mean, Coastal play them a little bit later in the year, I don't think it would have been, yeah, it would have been a closer game. I mean, defensively, I think that they, they were on a good scheme, but, or Coastal's offense was a good scheme against, it's just a bad matchup, in my opinion. They were in it. I mean, they were playing well, and Duke, they had a lead in the third quarter. But, yeah, I mean, you can't be, later in the season, obviously, J.D. comes in and starts playing some really good ball. I mean, it creates an aspect of, for the team they're going to be a run run first team and that's that's just what coach Leipold's built at Buffalo and the offensive line coach they want to they just want to run the ball but yeah having JD in an element on the passing game uh, definitely opens some things up later in the season and definitely uh, gives KU fans a lot of promise so yeah
1: I I definitely think Lightpole's first year was really impressive i i had like zero expectations that i was gonna be like a terrible year it was kind of be like i consider this like a mulligan year because Lightpole came in at a really unusual time for a head coach didn't have like the spring to get them ready and he, he really made the most out of the time he had which was really exciting and he's really like he turned the culture a lot sooner than i think most of us would have expected
2: oh absolutely yeah i mean a lot of the uh, – and just talking to some of the players, um, I would just be on Lawrence and kind of just ask them what they – how they like the guy and how – what their thoughts are. And, you know, I mean, you can see they haven't even had a winner with Gildersleeve yet, the, weight, the strength coach. They're making good gains early on, um, so that's exciting. Be completely honest, like you're never going to hear anything negative about a weight's program in the offseason. These freshmen that came in was a complete full, we got two full complete high school classes from Coach Miles, which give the guy some credit because people are going to say the Coach Miles thing didn't work out. It didn't, but Coach Miles put this program in a position roster-wise that no other coach since Gill has had this program. roster wise is they're in a position where they can make some they can fiddle with what they want to do recruiting wise they can they're enabled they can take some portal guys which they did they took um, they got they got like I don't know what it is eight or nine portal guys I might be high on that number but they got Gerwin from Michigan State you've got Craig Young from Ohio State you've got Kai Thomas from Minnesota you've got Um, Seveon Morrison from Nebraska you just all these big 10 football players coming to play at Kansas I mean that doesn't happen then they're seeing the culture and the progress change and that's what's really exciting to be a Kansas fan the general public looks at the first couple games and likes to see I think you're going to see progress instantly because those guys are going to be on the field playing ball and these guys aren't guys that have not had snaps before there's experience on the roster. They're they're one of the youngest teams in college football still, because the, the high school classes that Coach Miles brought in, they haven't even had a weight. They, they didn't 2020, they barely gotten a weight room. And now they're getting a Gildersleeve finally is getting them. That's so exciting. That the potential of this group is is really superb. So I, and I know this is optimistic. This is me being crazy, but I, I don't think six wins is out of the question i think i'm still cautiously think four to five is a good is a good number but i i I would be shocked if they won less than four games
1: yeah i think i think four would be like the line for me just watching their progress the last three games especially it's possible that they could get themselves bowl eligible it might not happen, and four wins would still be, like, progress, considering the fact KU's never won more than three games since 2009. So I think at least you're going to get at least a lot of progress coming in next year, and then you we're going probably we're definitely going to see some bull games in the near future, I believe.
2: Yeah, no, I, I believe so, too. I think that it's a reason that KU fans can definitely be excited about uh, having a football team that they can be proud of. Yeah. So I definitely encourage people to get out there and show some support. And I do know that there's going to be, there's a lot of rumors of a big NIL announcement coming very soon for, that's going to be massive. The the basketball has the six main strategies uh, NIL and football has, there's a lot of People that are heavily invested in the program and 12th man strategies is something that is being built upon. I don't know all the details and information on that, but I do know there's definitely something coming forward that's going to be massive for the university. And I'm excited to find out what that is, but I think it's a great time to be a Jayhawker. It's, mm-hmm. I believe firmly that Coach Life pulled. Yeah, like you were saying, Sam, the dude blew every expectation out of the water. I think, at least in my opinion, because i I was very down on. I just didn't think they were going to win too many games at all. I didn't know if they'd win a game, but they, he did it. He did, and he almost won. He was in five games last year,
1: almost beat uh, Oklahoma, too, and and I. Definitely, definitely. Lightpole definitely is a guy I'm very excited about. Definitely going to get myself to uh, David Booth Memorial Stadium next season. So I want to talk about this. uh, What was your favorite away venue in the Big 12? And then what was your least favorite uh, venue in the Big 12 that you got to travel
2: to? Well, uh, that was, I guess, another perk we haven't really talked, spoke on. Uh, The managers would get their stuff we'd get into these away cities we'd fly on the team plane we'll just give an example of uh austin uh which is my favorite city in the big 12 uh we'd fly in on friday night uh we'd go to the hotel usually we'd have to like hand out our like the coaches like uh suits or something i don't know what we did but some of us would have to do that at that time we did not set up the locker room but now like my senior year we did and that's what they do um And then you're just free to do whatever on Friday night while the players and everybody are locked in. The managers get to explore the town. And boy, did we ever explore a lot of cities, maybe consumed a few beverages along the way. But yeah, I mean, Austin, Sixth Street, Buford's, what a time. The, I think Austin definitely is my favorite. Waco, now, granted, I was in Waco in the heat of COVID, so it was the very first. There was the first game, first ro- first road game, and they didn't want to like. They were very honest about everything. Uh, Waco was definitely not a uh, not a favorite of mine, but um, surprisingly Lubbock. Lubbock's a fun little town. Surprisingly, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, surprisingly, but I will say I think I also appreciated Lubbock because none of the other towns besides Oklahoma were very open due to COVID. And as you imagine, Lubbock, Texas, COVID doesn't exist there. It was like that at uh, Oklahoma too. So we, we, we enjoyed ourselves. Uh, definitely the athletic department did not want us leaving the uh, hotel bubble, but we did. But yeah, really good times. In, uh, in those cities yeah I love I love Lubbock
1: I I, I got to, I went inside uh Jones AT&T Stadium I thought it was a really neat little stadium I thought it was a pretty pretty unique place and Lubbock is definitely growing a lot more each year and I think now and their basketball program's gotten super good too and a lot a lot more excitement down in West Texas and of course I've never been to Austin I know few friends that have been down there and that's just like it's kind of like nashville in a way it just like with like the nightlife and music and stuff
2: yeah Yeah, austin's a great city and i said buford's there's uh there's west 6th street which uh which i was at and then there's the dirty six and the dirty six i did not go to but we i know there was a few managers that did go to the dirty six and uh Some interesting stories on that one, but we won't go into this on uh, this podcast. And uh, I've
1: been, I've seen a game at OU. I think that's a, it's a pretty fun, fun atmosphere as well. And I enjoyed Campus Corner when the time I went as well.
2: Yeah. Campus Corner is good. They got a Logies there. Logies, great place. Got one in Lawrence too. And then another question uh, during your time, what was the most memorable
1: game during your time as a manager? I guess you go back and forth.
2: I I think that the Texas game was the best game, period. Um, like, I, and that's sad. I think that's that has a lot to do with why I just absolutely loved Austin. I mean, that trip, dagger in the heart at the end. But it was fun winning at Boston. I mean, Boston went out in Boston the night before. We got in actually super early. And then the morning of the game – took us on a Fenway Park tour so that was really cool and I mean we were just having so much fun on the like being in Boston that I honestly like forgot we were even playing that night Mm -hmm. and it was right off the loss to Coastal to be completely honest I didn't think we were winning another game the rest of the year I was like we just lost to Coastal and almost lost to Indiana State this is not good and Boston College goes up I think they went up ten nothing. Yeah, I went up ten nothing in the first four minutes. And my buddy Leland looks at me and goes, "We got them right where we want them." And I was like, "Are you in crack or something?" And sure enough, I mean, we came right down, scored a couple of touchdowns, and it was just back and forth the whole first half. And then second half, we just kind of just kind of ran away with it. But that was a lot of fun. And also have a fun manager story from that game. Every game there would be a, a little urinal then the little, uh, there'd be a urinal that they'd have to take in the medical tent. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the sports medicine's job to take the urinal. Well, everybody was so excited after the game. No one, people were leaving stuff. There were helmets all over the place. We grabbed everything. And I just like went out there to check and see if there was one last thing out there. Sure enough, the freaking urinal is sitting out there. It's this porta potty thing. And I'm like, okay, this is just probably empty. No, it's full. And this thing's got about, I don't know, two feet worth of urine just sitting in this thing and slushing around. And I'm just like, oh, this is gross. I've got plastic gloves on, of course, just because like that's we were just in the locker room and we'd have to grab stuff. But I'm just sitting here like across the field. Yeah, it was it was gross. Uh and we were walking by the buses, and of course, a lot of uh, KU alumni and fans were really excited some really really excited with a few beverages We're hollering and screaming at the players at just anybody high-fiving us whoever was coming on the bus well then I start trotting in here with this urinal and some drunk guy and goes hey this dr- this 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 fool's gotta grab the urine and they're laughing at me as I'm dumping it and they're cheering me on definitely a top or bottom three moment in my Time as a manager but yeah that's just some of the stuff that would happen and boy that sucked but I I honestly I didn't really care that much at that time I was so happy everybody was thrilled that was that was definitely up there on the plane ride home Andrew Parchment was one of our seers and he uh they were doing we were at Boston Logan Airport getting ready to fly off the plane we're still in the tarmac and we have it's a private plane, but it's still like a delta flight. So technically it's still I mean it's subject to all like TSA guidelines. So they have to do like the internet safety video or the safety video and stuff. And they I guess they didn't really have a safety video, but the stewardess were after to do it. And I guess they're playing over the intercom. Well it's a uh I think it's a federal offense to like interrupt it. And I don't know if it's a federal offense or I don't know what the penalty is, but it's going on and Andrew Par Andrew Parchment pl- walks up to the front of the plane, plugs in his uh, iPhone to uh, on the little aux cord in the middle of the safety video, and starts playing in- NBA Young Boy on the plane. <laughs> and everybody's just going nuts. And the safe- in the in the stewardess, of course, are are upset, and Coach Miles is yelling, "We're staying here." Well, uh, yeah, I. Don't know if he knew we were allowed to. We could couldn't do that, but yeah, I mean, that was a fun fun night. But
0: oh man, that's awesome! Yeah. Well, Andrew, um, do you you know? Anytime we have someone that comes on the podcast, we ask them if they have any social media accounts that they'd be willing to promote. Now that you have your your airtime, so do you have any social media accounts to promote or ways that our listeners can get a hold of you, or you know, learn more about your story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm maybe not as active as uh, on social media as I used to be. Um, I I try to stay off social media during the week just because I, at my job I I've got to kind of be focused in. And I try to just do it. But yeah, uh, Twitter A Edrington three. That's where I get a lot of my sports news and stuff and interact more. You can't tell I'm a KU fan on there. There's can't tell at all. All my tweets aren't about KU or anything. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, that's uh that's probably where I would say to go. Um yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And I didn't I didn't know if we'd have a uh, a urine story on Mm -hmm. this podcast, but this is the first urine story we've ever heard on our podcast. And we've done a lot of podcast episodes and that was definitely the first, but, um, you can say it was a little, you can say it was a piss poor, uh, story.
2: Yeah, it was, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, but yeah, Andrew, we appreciate everything about your, your path to starting your role as a team manager and just the stories that you've been able to experience.
2: Yeah, it's it's it was it was a great four years. Uh I, I hope that if, while I'm talking on this podcast, let's let's get one thing straight. I hope that anybody listening on here, uh, I know I'll have a lot of friends that are managers and uh, maybe a few extra people that'll be listening on this. Uh I, I hope that I didn't uh trash the uh the KU football managing too much but uh i think those who were listening they they <laughs> might be under knowing that i'm holding back a little bit as much as i can trying to be as diplomatic as possible but uh yeah it's it's been it's been good four years man i mean i can't be prouder to be a jayhawk and the university of kansas has been nothing but great to me great connections wouldn't have my job without this job, the people I worked for, people I worked with, some, some of my best friends. It's, it's been a blast. Looking forward to the next uh, next season and we'll always be a Jayhawk. So. All
0: right, well, thank you so much, Andrew. Could it be you calling me down, 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 down? My foolish heart turns out to be. All that I am is all that you see. You don't need nobody else and you this For those who are listening to our show for the first time, all our past and future episodes are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the SportsMecca.